Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. It's good. It's good to be around people, right? Um, I have six people in my family, and I'm telling you, it is, it's actually a joy to, especially during like pandemic, Eve, our house is just full all the time. There's always energy. There's stuff going on. That's a little, it's a little crazy for me sometimes, being the only guy. Uh, that can be interesting. But other than that, um, super awesome. And there's something about being around people, even the introverted introverts. Uh, we have, in us, we know that we, we, we need people at least in some capacity. And I say we because some of you don't realize, like, I am an introvert. Um, half of you are all the time like, no, you're not. I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm an introvert. Um, no, just kidding. But I am an introvert. But anyhow, we need people around. And there are certain things in life that you also find, like, it's good. It's not, not good to do when you're all alone. Uh, and I learned this the hard way, like, a couple months ago. I decided I was going to start doing some weightlifting. I've, I've told people about this a little bit. I don't know. I don't do much weightlifting, right? This is, yes, obviously. Thank you very much for that. I heard, oh, Alan, okay. I, I thought it was you, buddy. I can't see everybody. I was pointing out the wrong person. Hey, Alan, you're not tough yourself. Come on. So I decided I was going to start doing some weightlifting. Part of it was my, my legs. I was like pulling stuff when I was going for some runs, and I was getting sick of that. I was like, I should do some squats. Maybe it'll like even everything out. So I bought some dumbbells. That was dumb. No, it actually wasn't. It was actually a really good thing. So I would take two 20-pound dumbbells, and I started doing squats. And I'd do like 20 of them, you know, three different times or whatever, and it was going good. Well, then my friends, the Hopkins, they decide, hey, Kellen, we know you're doing some lifting. We've got an old barbell and some weights that we want to get rid of. And here's me thinking, it's way easier to do squats with a barbell, and you can put more weight on it. This is good. So I should do this. Here's the problem. So I don't have, like, the barbell thing that you— the, when you do squats that like if you're about to fall you can just like set it there and not die right so first day I get this barbell I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna make it so it's 65 pounds altogether not 65 pounds on each side mind you 65 pounds altogether there's a guy weightlifting in the first service he's like you had 65 on each side no what are you thinking look at me so 65 pounds and I'm thinking this is enough that I can put it I can put it up on my shoulder and I can do my squats, and I can get it back down. So I do that. I easily, like, like, a, like a, a young Arnold Schwarzenegger, I just put that thing up right on my back. And I do my 20 squats. I'm feeling good. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. And I get done with the 20, and I'm like, oh, I am more tired than I expected. I couldn't lift the 65 pounds back over my head, people. Yeah, so, so now I'm thinking, oh, what do I, I'm in the basement. I'm like, do I call out for my wife to come and help me? Like, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. So, next thought was through my head. I'm like, do I just drop it on the floor? I was like, will that break concrete? I don't know. And so, and this is all in five seconds. At the fifth second, what came into my head was, do this, Kellen. So I, I take the barbell. I start leaning down. I keep leaning down until poof, this thing hits on one side. And then, this is the best part. 
This is hard to do with a microphone. Best part, I'm sitting here and I'm like, <laughs> and I did a little rollover and that barbell was now on the ground and I was alive. I just want you to know the first, the first service, they clapped for me after that, but whatever. No, I just, you guys don't need to, you guys don't need to clap. That's crazy. So nobody knew about that until I told everybody. And I wish, part of me is like, why do I preach? Because then I tell all the stupid, embarrassing things in my life. But like, like weightlifting a lot of weight, yes, I know 65 pounds is not a lot of weight. I get it. But when you lift a lot of weight, it's really good to do that with people. So that if you're about to die, they can help you. The Christian life, we don't realize it, but the Christian life is actually a lot like that. We are not called to do the Christian life on our own. We're called to do the Christian life with people. That is something that we see throughout Scripture. And the last year and a half has been tough for us. Uh, most of us have been, had to be secluded away from people at times. Some of us have gotten to liking it a little too much. Raise your hand if you started to like being a Yeah, yeah, I see a couple of your hands. It's, it got to be really nice, but hey, it's time to get back into, you know, what, the way that God intended things. See, we, we are not all the time, we do not fight for community. But community is actually an important thing that God has given to us. Even if you've been in the church all your life, maybe you've, been, you've stayed in the church throughout the whole pandemic, it's actually real community that God calls us to. To make us into every bit the people that he wants us to be. And so today, that, we want to encourage you to look Look in again at how are you building into community with people who follow Jesus. And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to take a, a brief look at two passages in Scripture from the New Testament um, to see what's so special about the existence of the church. And I want to remind you, when I say the church, I am not saying a building. I am not even actually saying our church body itself. I'm talking about the people who believe and, and love Jesus Christ. That is the church. It is a living, breathing thing. And there's something powerful about this church that God's given to us. And so here's what needs to be understood first, because I think that this is, this is kind of the bare bones of what, uh, what is important about the church. Here it is. The church is actually your extended spiritual family. The church is your extended spiritual family. Now, some of you, you're looking... Like, to your right and your left, and like, Ugh, this is my family? Yes. And it's actually a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when you have a family of people that are not like you in all ways. And so, Ephesians 1 verse 5 says this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I don't know if when you read that verse, it excites you, but there's something in that verse that actually excites me when I read it. That in advance, before I had ever done anything that made me worthwhile, before I had done anything that would make me somebody that God would want to value as his family, before all of that, God chose in Jesus Christ to adopt me into his family. Like, that's really cool that's crazy when you think about it that he would want to do that and not just that he would do it reluctantly 
It says that it made him happy to adopt you and me into his family. He's not, he's not thinking, man, oh, I take a lot of people into my family, but that Kellen, God, he is obnoxious. Chooses food like his dad does. I don't want to have anything to do with him. No. It says he was happy to include me into his family. He was happy to include you into his family. No matter what your identity issues might be, what you think about yourself, God was happy to include you into his family. And how was it that he included us in? It says that he actually bought us by his blood. Jesus paid a price for us to buy us into his family. It says in Galatians 3.13, Christ bought us with his blood and made us free. And so here's what that means. It means that we are a family that runs through the bloodline of Jesus. We don't all have the same bloodline in terms of our earthly families, but we've got one bloodline that's the same, and that is the blood of Jesus. That he gave up his own blood. He let his own blood flow out of his body to, in a sense, take on our blood and give us his own. We are all in this same family, the same bloodline of Jesus. And I know that sounds weird. In church, sometimes we say some weird things that sound crazy. We all share the same bloodline. But the truth is, is we have this connection together. That's, it's unique, and it's unlike anything else in the world. We have a connection through Jesus Christ, who, and he makes us one family. The truth is, you can have friendship and camaraderie, and you can find that anywhere else in the world. But there is something powerful about what happens in the church, in the family of Jesus. D.A. Carson says this, the church is a band of natural enemies who love each other for Jesus' sake. I really like that. Like we are, uh, you may not have anything in common with barely anybody in this room. Except you've got one thing in common. Jesus died for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. We are one family in that. That's a powerful thing. So now the question is, what happens if you are not connected to your family? Can I be honest with you about something with my own family? Sometimes my wife will take my four girls up north to one of the grandparents' houses, and I can't go with for, like, maybe a work reason. I'm not going to say that I hate it. Having the house alone without all my family, sometimes it's actually kind of neat. It's like the best word that I can use for it. It's neat. I can eat whatever I want to. I can go to Jimmy John's and buy one sub. I don't have to get six subs. That is a lot of money. Uh, I, can, I can turn the TV on anytime I want and watch whatever I want. I don't have to put headphones on. I'm telling you, my girls, I don't know about you with little kids, if you've ever seen, they, we can't put anything on in our house without them going like this. It's the weirdest thing. My oldest two daughters, they're freshmen in seventh grade. They'll be watching like stuff that their little sisters are watching, little kitty stuff. And I'll just see them like they get sucked in. Oh, sit on the table, what's on? And they're just smiling. And I'll literally go and stand in front of them and grin like that. And they don't even know it. It's creepy. I know. But it's really fun actually. But yes, I, I'll admit it. I love it when I have that alone time at home by myself. Nobody else. But can I say this? It never, it never ceases to amaze me every single time within about 24 hours 
those little regrets that I call my children, I start to miss them. I, you know, it doesn't take 24 hours for me to miss my wife. Like, I really like her. <laughs> like, a lot. I like that woman, okay? It takes like 2.4 minutes usually. But my kids, sometimes it takes a little longer. I like them too. I do. Don't call me a bad dad for that, okay? But guess what? The church is God's family. And we're not meant to be without the church for very long. Again, I'm not talking about coming into a building. I am talking about the people who love Jesus. We are not meant to do church, to do life without people in the, in the church. And here's a really serious question for us to, to consider. Can you really love God but neglect his family? You wouldn't believe how many times I hear people say, I, I love Jesus, but man, I can't stand the church. Maybe you're part of it. <laughs> you ever think about that? Like the fact that we can, can we really love God and say all of the people that are also trusting Jesus, I don't like them. There's something messed up with that. With my, own, with my own wife. Now, I've been married for 19 years, and we've been together another five years before that, so it's like 24 years. So I pretty much, at this point, we've been around each other long enough that my, my wife's family is like my family. My family is like her family. My mom and dad like her more. I, uh, all day, every day. But here's the thing. I had to learn at a certain point, like, I can't say that I love Crystal and not also choose to love her family. I can't go around just talking bad about her parents or, or her siblings, just like she can't do that with me because like, that's just not a healthy thing for a marriage, right? If I'm going to say I love my wife, I also, I also have to choose to love her family. How can we say we love God and then we say, ah, but, I, but I hate your family. I don't want to be around the people. Now, you and I both know the church, people in the church, we stink sometimes. We mess up. I am, I'm a mess up. You're a mess up. People get hurt in the church. I've been hurt in the church. But that doesn't make God's family, the church, a bad thing. And there, there is something that we can get from the people in the church. And so I want to look at another passage here. This is from the, the book of Acts. And it's talking about the early church. What is it that we can actually get? What does the church actually offer us? And so we're going back to, to Acts 2. And this guy named Peter, who is kind of like the first pastor of the church, he has just preached to thousands of people. And they've heard him, and they've listened to him, and they've liked what he said. And here's what it says in Acts 2, starting in verse 41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said regarding Jesus were baptized and added to the church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. You cannot, I don't think, read that scripture and not realize just how crazy this connection is that the early church had with each other. They had just given their lives over to Jesus, and they're, they are full force connected with one another. And I think it's because they realized that they were better together than they were apart from each other. Something that I think that we need to be reminded of. And so this passage, I think it shows us some things. Uh, things that you will get better with, with the church, than trying to do it on your own. 
What are some of the things that you're going to get better at with the church than trying it on your own? First thing is this. With the church, you will grow in your commitment to correct teaching. Verse 42 says that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Another version says that they committed themselves to these teachings. Can I be honest with you? I do not always devote myself to the teachings of Jesus. I'll tell you what I'm really good at sometimes, though. I'm really good at telling myself exactly what I want to hear. I'm really good at telling myself my own gospel. Like, no, this is actually, this is okay. Sometimes I need people who also are following after the teachings of Jesus to correct me. So I got, I got some friends, uh, a group of friends that I've had for probably 15 plus years. They, we all kind of were in youth ministry together. And these are guys that, like, we will tell each other, man, here's a book that I'm reading that's super cool. Here, we'll, we'll talk to each other about serious stuff and, like, dude, you're, I think you're kind of messed up in the way you're thinking that way. And we'll challenge each other in those kinds of ways. I am telling you, these friends of mine, they're a part of the church. They have helped me be a way better me than I would be on my own. Because it's so easy for me to just think what I want to think. And if I'm not being challenged in any way, I'm going to continue in, in the incorrect ways of thinking. You know how many times I've not wanted to listen to a sermon or I've not wanted to enter into worship with a group of people? And part of the reason is, is because I know I might get challenged in that moment. How many of you have never gone to church on a Sunday because you're like, I don't want to have my, my feathers ruffled? It happens, right? I don't want God to be able to speak to me while I'm in a time of worship. I'm not comfortable with that right now with where my life is at. But oftentimes it's sermons, it's, it's times with a small group, it's times in a conversation where issues of truth are brought up that I wouldn't think of on my own. We need people to help us think correctly, to commit to right teaching. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I love what he says. Uh, he says, two heads are better than one, not because either is infallible, but because they're unlikely to go wrong in the same direction. That's really good. Like we go wrong on our own. And you know what? It's okay that we go wrong in our own thinking. We're, we're human. We sin. We mess up. But we need people around us speaking into our lives to challenge that thinking, to get back in the right train of thinking. The church as a whole oftentimes doesn't go astray like sometimes we do on our own. So that's the first thing that I think a way that church can help us. Can help us with correct teaching. To, to, to concentrate on correct thinking. Second thing is this. With the church, you'll grow in your commitment to fellowship. Now, did you actually catch how this church, in the early church, was actually connecting with one another? In verse 45, it talked about how they went and they would sell all their possessions. All of them. And then they would pool the money together. And they would share it with those in need. Now, how many of you, when you read that, you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a church I want to go to. Because that looks hard. Like, that's seriously hard stuff, right? Sell all your possessions, pool the money together, help each other out. Now, I want to clarify, I don't think that, I don't think the church, that Scripture is calling us to have to do that. You know, we, we give to the Dollar Club uh, those green buckets over there when you're going out, you can put a dollar in there and that money goes to, to people in need in our church. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. I don't know if we're being called to sell all of our possessions and help each other out, but 
I also don't think that as we read about the early church, that it can be acceptable for us to be okay with relationships that don't go a little deeper. This church was together, and there was a reason for it. Growth will require a commitment to the people around you that is deeper than simply knowing their name or sharing a few stories with them in the lobby. We need to know people. We need to let people get to know us. Do you have that one person that you know when, when times get rough, man, I can, this person loves Jesus and I can call them anytime and, and they can be there for me? Or maybe even better yet, do you know of a person who knows you well enough that they know when to call you because they know you're struggling? We need people. Do you have people who will truly rejoice with you in your blessings in life? Do you have people that, will, that you can engage in conversation with and you actually both grow because of the conversation? We absolutely need this kind of fellowship. And I want to say this. I don't think that this kind of fellowship that is talking about in Acts, I don't think that it's just an option for us. I don't think it, Jesus is putting it out there as like, hey, that's a good option for you, that kind of fellowship. I think it's the plan for us. I think it's the plan that God set in place for us to have connection and community with people who also are like-minded, who have that same bloodline running through them, who love Jesus, who can help us be the people like we're supposed to be. I think it's also meant that the church is supposed to be a place of fellowship so that we can make a difference. Uh, we're called, I think we, I think we make a difference more in people's lives when we are actually serving other people. And so fellowship gives us a place to serve people. It makes me look outside of myself instead of inside myself all the time. Fellowship is a good thing. Uh, so we've got the church can help us with correct teaching it can help us get into correct fellowship here's the third thing that I think it, it can help us with with the church you'll grow in your commitment to worshiping God verse 46 in this passage in, in Acts says the early church met together in the temple courts every single stinking day so that they could worship God we don't do that, right? There is something about worshiping God with other people. I mean, I can, I love to sit at a piano and play worship music and sing. And, and in some respects, it might be one of the, those times where I, I feel the most able to worship because I'm not worried about leading or anything like that. I love it. But can I say there is something powerful about when the Spirit of God is in a room where a bunch of people are worshiping God. There's something powerful in that. I think we need to understand this. We are worshipers by nature. You're gonna, some of you guys are going to go home today and you're going to watch NFL football. And you are going to, what are you going to see people in the stands doing? I mean, it kind of looks like a worship service sometimes, right? It's not far from it. We actually give praise and adoration and worship to the things that we're devoted to and that we love. Some people like Reggie White. And Green Bay Packers stuff. Some people like the Vikings. All right? I'm sorry. That would be me. I'm not saying I worship them, but we're devoted to them. We're devoted to our team. Here's the thing. Regular worship with the church is a reminder to you of what you are devoted to. When we come in and we worship together, there is a remembrance of what actually matters most. When I'm on my own, man, I can go so many days without even thinking about it. 
about thinking about what I'm most devoted to. But that togetherness, it helps us. Now, over the course of the last year and a half, it has been difficult for a lot of us in a lot of ways. Many of us, um, I know I've been in this at times, for many of us it's been a spiritual roller coaster. Just kind of this up and down. Partly because we've missed connection. Without a consistent and healthy connection to God's family, there is no getting away from it. We are actually not living at our full strength. Uh, where's Tim? You guys can actually come up. We're going to be done in just a minute here. But I want to share something as we close here. We want to challenge you um, as a church. We want to encourage you to, to take the homecoming challenge. We're in this series called Homecoming. And it's really a four-part challenge. And so I just want to give the challenge to you. Our ushers, or our, our first our guest services team. There's like so many names we've had. I'm trying to still get the name right, okay? Guest services is what we're saying. But they're going to be out there with, with some papers for you. Uh, hand them out as you go. And they're going to have this commitment on there so you can see what it looks like. But um, it's just a commitment for you. You don't have to make it to anybody, but just you, between you and God. But it's four parts. One is committing to be in services during this next season. Uh, this series that we're going to be in, it's going to be seven weeks long, and we want to encourage you just to, as much as you can, I, I get it, you can't be at church every week all the time, but there's something about the commitment to when you can be with the church. Sometimes I don't really like saying come to church. Come and be with the church. Commit to being with the church on Sunday mornings so that we can learn and grow together during this season. The second thing is this. Decide to make a difference by choosing to serve at Central. Make a difference in other people's lives. And here's the thing. You will make a difference in your own life. I want to sh share a quick story about this. On Friday night, my family, we, we drove over here. Uh, my wife wanted to figure out how to make coffee. I don't know if you guys figured it out, but we got coffee back there now. Okay? And you can thank my wife, Crystal, later because she did that. But Because uh, I don't like coffee. I could care less. <laughs> But here's what happened. We're here, and my wife, my daughter, old, youngest one, six years old, Finley, she comes up to me. She's like, Dad, I want a job at church. I want something I can do to help people. I love that. Because here's the thing. When you help, when you serve, when you make a difference, you're not just making a difference in other people's lives. You're actually growing your own life. You're becoming stronger. That's why we will let students work and kids work. So we'll let kids do whatever that stink we can find to get them to do to serve other people because it makes a difference. So we're encouraging you and you can take a look on our guest services table. We actually have a sheet in there that has all the ways you can be a difference maker volunteer here at Central Janesville. Um, you can take it with you, bring it back and, and give us, let us know how you'd like to serve. The third thing is this. Each week uh, we've, got a, we've got a homecoming study guide out there for this series. Take that with you and, and take time to go through that study guide and grow through that. Uh, the fourth thing is this. Get in a small group. I want to encourage as many people as possible to get in small groups. And one way that we've encouraged small groups in the past is to find your own group of people and get in a small group and, and, and I can help you figure out how that looks. But I know it's hard for some people to do that. And so we're, we're trying to make it a little bit easier now. A couple ways that you can indicate to us that you'd like to be in a small group. You can, again, guest services table. Uh, you can fill out a connection card, check off small groups. We'll, give you, we'll contact you. Or like Shannon was talking about in the video, go to centraljanesville.com slash small groups. You can fill out a, uh, 
an online form there that tells us exactly what you'd like to see in a small group that you'd like to be a part of, to get to know people, to get to be encouraged by people. We've got a women's group starting up at the end of September. Uh, we're excited about that. We've got the Bratzmans and the Watsons. They rhyme, but they're also starting uh, <laughs> some small groups in their homes. I want to get you involved with this stuff. There's a young adults group that meets. Love to get more people hanging out with them. But it's important for us to be together. And so we want to encourage you to do that. It's easy to bow out of this Christian life of doing life together. Sometimes it's hard to take the time to, to, to do this the way that Scripture tells us to, with people. But we're family. And this family, you have untapped potential in this family that's full of power. And then God is saying, why don't you tap into that power a little bit? Truth is, is we're always going to be better together. So my thing is, let's get together. Let's be a church that is committed to each other. Rather than just walking through here, sitting in a chair, and not, you know, maybe having a conversation or two, let's get to know each other. Let's be the church. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.